Hey, I'm Dave, and thanks so much for checking out today's message. We're so glad that you are here, and we would love to get connected to you and your family. So one easy way to do that is that you can text the word River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some of our upcoming events. Lastly, if you'd like to give today to the River Church, you can text the amount that you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website, click on the Give tab right at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. So, you may have come in tonight and... You saw the Christmas trees in the lobby and the beautiful decorations. And you came in here, you see the stage is so beautifully decorated with all the Christmas trees. And you look up, and they're like, oh, you know, like this beautiful red title screen, right? We must be talking about some, uh, you know, just like very comforting, very kind-hearted Christmas series. Maybe that was your expectation. And then you read what was on the screen. And you see that word that no one likes to hear, that no one likes to talk about, that there's, for some reason, this deep-seated fear in our hearts over, you know, that word that almost is like a curse word sometimes to us in the recovery community, relapse. (gasps) I said it, right? And, And... and you may be sitting there thinking, you know, like, oh, isn't this a, the holidays? This is a time of, you know, cheer and excitement. Why are we talking about something so difficult, something so heavy? And unfortunately, I have news for you. This actually is a holiday series, right? If, if you didn't know, relapse rates spike 35% between the day before Thanksgiving and two days after New Year's. The holiday series is, or the holiday season, unfortunately, in the recovery community, is the season of relapse. And there's a million different reasons for that, right? You could talk about family stressors. You could talk about financial stressors. You could talk about the weather. You could talk about all these different things. Whatever you want to call it, some, for some reason or some conglomeration of reasons... The holiday season somehow turns out to be the season of relapse. And we don't really like to talk about relapse, but relapse is a serious issue. And it happens a lot more than we want to talk about or admit. Over 50% of individuals who are trying to get help or get clean will relapse. And that spikes even more when you talk about, specifically, if you're talking about alcohol, that number goes from 50% to 80%. If you're talking about opioids, that number goes even further to 90%. Relapse is something that happens, whether we like it or not. And odds are, whether you personally or someone you love or someone you care about will encounter relapse on their recovery journey. So why don't we seem to talk about it? Why, why does it seem like, you know, a bad word or some taboo thing that we don't want to talk about? Because it's difficult. Because it's hard. Because it brings up really deep Times of turmoil and hurt in our own lives. Whether far distant path or way too near future. It's difficult. 
But if it's something that's so common, we have to start talking about it. Although it's difficult, although it's hard, we can't be afraid to talk about what relapse means, how relapse happens, and what the Bible has to say about it. So over the next couple weeks, we're going to be looking at this series. This series focused on relapse, focused on dealing with temptation, looking at how to avoid relapse and what happens when you do. And I hope that when you hear that, you don't look at your calendars and say, oh, well, I'll see you in the new year, right? I don't want to deal with that series. I hope that you, you come with a sense of, you know, I hate to use it, but excitement, right? Excitement to talk about something that gets glossed over so often. A desire to see what Scripture has to say about avoiding relapse. But before we jump in tonight, let's pray together if you'd bow your heads with me. Lord, tonight over the next couple Tuesdays, we're going to be dealing with a heavy issue, Lord. Lord, you know that. You know the hurt in this room associated with relapse, Lord. And I pray that as we walk through the truth of your word, that you would give us understanding, that you would give me clarity as I preach your word. Lord, that we'd be, un, we'd be able to understand what you have for us in your word. And you would break down any barriers, you would heal hearts, and ultimately, ultimately you would help us to live more like your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. You press the holy name, Jesus' name. Amen. So open with me to the book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12 tonight. We're only going to be taking a look at two verses, but these are some of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. And if you don't know what the book of Romans is, Romans is a book written to the church in Rome or written to the Romans, right? And Paul was this guy who was writing to them. He, he, he is an apostle. He, he lived for Christ. Uh, but after a very tumultuous life, uh, you know, just going against him and seeking to destroy his people, he was met by, by Jesus and his life was changed and he began to follow him. And he wrote a majority of the New Testament. And as he was writing to the Romans, I love the book of Romans so much because what he does in the book of Romans is he lays out this very basic and fundamental way of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He says, if you need to understand the basics, if you need to understand the fundamentals, here are what they are. And he does it in a very, very logical and systematic way, which I really appreciate and understand well. And so I love the book of Romans. And when he comes to chapter 12, he leaves them with this appeal. He's closing his book and he, he writes about, he says, all these other chapters, the 11 chapters before, these were for the purpose of me making an appeal to you. I wrote these things to you not just because I wanted you to have a great history lesson on the history of Jesus and, and why you need Jesus. He says, I'm writing these things for you so that you understand how you should live in light of them. How it should change the way that you live. And so he writes this appeal. Turn with me 
Romans 12, starting in verse 1 and 2, we'll read it together. It says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so he starts off this appeal. He says, I appeal to you. I'm writing these things to you. It is because I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So what he's saying there is, I want you to give your lives over to Jesus Christ. And so what happens there is he's saying, when you have lived, you have lived in your sin. And in the book of Romans, he lays out all have sinned, right? All have done wrong. All have disobeyed God. And we have all fallen short of the glory of God, the perfection of God. And in that sin, we've been separated from God. We've been alienated from God. And we did that. We did that through our disobedience. We did that through doing things wrong. Through going against God. Rebelling against his word. Rebelling against his direction for our lives. Rebelling against the conviction that he lays on our hearts. He says, you've done that. And he says, then what, what God did is he didn't want you to continue to live that way. He didn't want that separation to continue to exist. So what did he do? He sent his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus came to earth and he was both God and man. He was the son of God. And he came and he lived a perfect life. And in the face of temptation, he resisted. He was perfect. And he went to the cross and he suffered the punishment of sin on your behalf. He took the separation that you earned, that you deserved. He took the death that you earned, you deserved. And he took it on himself and he went to the cross and he died and then he rose again. And what Jesus calls us to is following him. Scripture says, if you believe with your mouth and you confess, or if you, sorry, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, that he is Lord, that you will have salvation, that you will be forgiven of your sins. And so what he's saying here is he's emphasizing that idea of lordship. You know, unfortunately, a lot of times we've heard maybe in churches growing up or maybe you heard it on TV or whatever, you've heard this idea of like, oh, just ask Jesus in your heart and then you're good. That's not really demonstrated in scripture, right? They're not told, hey, just pray a prayer and then you're done. You don't ever have to worry about Jesus again, but you get your get out of hell free card. That's not taught in scripture. What's taught in scripture is this idea of lordship, right? Jesus is not meant to be some whipped cream cherry on top to your life. It's not to be like, hey, continue living your life as normal, but now you got your buddy Jesus next to you. So just be a little bit better. Know this idea of believing in your heart and confessing your, with your mouth that he is Lord. Not that he's your buddy. Not even that he did those things, right? There's some people who say, I believe in God. Satan believes in God. Satan knows God exists. Satan knows Jesus existed. He's not saved. 
Because there's a difference in knowing and there's a difference in him being the Lord of your life. And so what Paul is emphasizing to these people, to the Romans, is he's saying what that looks like is not just a, all right, I got Jesus and then I got the rest of my life and I can just, you know, go back same as usual. He says, no, when you say those things, when you accept salvation, when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, what you're doing is you are sacrificing yourself. You are presenting yourself as a sacrifice. You are giving yourself over to God. You're sacrificing your will. You're sacrificing your wants. You're giving him your talents. You're giving him your desires. All so that you can follow him. All because you believe that he is Lord. He is your king. You say, I follow your rules. You are my king. I'm part of your kingdom. Show me your word that I may live accordingly. But we don't like to talk about that because that's difficult. And so, unfortunately, what churches have done, what preachers have done, is they've tried to make that more palatable, right? You just got to do a couple things and you'll be good. Now, it's not at all about what you do. What you do does not save you. But over and over and over again, we see in Scripture this idea of the heart. This idea of the heart, what your true intentions are. Are your true intentions just to avoid punishment, or are they truly to follow God? And that's why Paul says, my appeal to you is not just that you'd believe these things, not just that you'd be like, yes, man, and be like, yeah, yeah, sounds great, sounds great. No, that you would accept these things and that you would make him Lord of your life, that you would turn over your life as a sacrifice to God. You know what it is? It's saying, God, you, God, who you are, will define who I will be. God, what your word says will define who I will be. God, where you lead me will be where I go. That's what a living sacrifice looks like. That is what a heart that believes that he is Lord says. And a lot of times what happens is we get distracted or we get lulled into our comfort zone because we think, oh, we're all good in our spirituality when we treat Jesus as a bonus, not at all. And what God tells us in Scripture, he says, here's what I want you to do, right? If we say, God, who you are will define who I will be, God is holy, Now, you may have not heard that word holy a lot in your life. And I get it. I didn't hear a lot before. You know, I was super involved in church. But this idea of holiness is used throughout Scripture. This word holy, it means to be set apart. It means to be like designated for great things. 
And originally it was used for the utensils that were used like in the, the tabernacle or in the temple in the holy place of God. And, you know, for layman's terms, why don't you picture this as like fine china? Maybe your grandma had like fine china, right? That only got broken out during the holidays, right? It was like some, somehow she had gold-plated silverware that you never saw until like Thanksgiving or like Christmas dinner, right? But that, that same idea is like that, Probably was kept in like some cabinet. It always got polished when you're done. It always got hand washed, right? It was set apart from like the normal everyday silverware. Like you aren't busting out, you know, like the fine china to eat Kraft mac and cheese, right? That's not the case. It's set apart. It's set for like those special dinners. And this is a very like lame way to describe the holiness that God has for us. He says, I am holy. I am so much greater than the world. I created the world. And he says, and now that you have been saved, now that I have redeemed you, now that you are saying, hey, I'm going to be, I will be Lord of your life, you are set apart. You're not destined for the same old, same old. You are meant for something greater. You are meant to look differently than the rest of the world. You are called to be holy, to be different, to be set apart. That is what our lives as sacrifices to God should look like. But Paul continues, right? In verse two, he says this, Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. So he says this, hey, in your effort to be a living sacrifice to God, you know what's going to happen? They won't want you to be. The, The world will not want you to be set apart. So what will they do? They'll try and get you to conform. They'll try and get you back where you started. They'll try and pull you back. Their aim is your relapse. And you may look and you say, who is they? Who is they? And the obvious answer you can say is like Satan and his minions. But I think we give way too much credit to them. I'd say more so, it's your own flesh. Your own old desires. The sinful parts of you, the darkness and depravity of your own mind, maybe the chemical addictions that you developed because of your choices. Maybe it's people in your world who don't want you to get clean. Those are the things that try and conform you. That's the they. That's the world that tries to get you to conform. The world that tries to get you to look like you always did. You don't need to be holy. You can just have Jesus as like the cherry on top. Do what you need to do and then get forgiven and go back same old, same old. But Paul says, No, 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 no. That's not how it's supposed to be. You can't do both. 
You can't be holy and look completely different and also look completely the same. Those things are at odds with each other. They just don't work. It's not gonna work. But the world says, you can. You can do both. You can get as close as you can to the rest of the world and you'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's not a big deal. Look the way you want to look. And Jesus will just kind of fill in the cracks. But Paul says, no, you're destined for more. You should run from sin. And I want to emphasize this. I've used this analogy before. I use it all the time because it really helps me to understand it. But essentially what we do is this. Imagine I told you, uh, I invited one of you up, uh, up on stage and I said, here's the deal. If you can stay on the stage the rest of the time I preach, I'll give you $10,000. But if you fall off the stage, if you step off the stage, whatever it looks like, if you get off the stage for any reason, then you don't get it. You get nothing. And I had this person stand up here and I went back to preaching. Where do you think they would be standing? <laughs> They'd be standing back here, right? They'd be like, I'm not going anywhere near the edge. You will have to drag me. And if you drag me, I'm going to be fighting the whole time. Now flip the script. Say this is the world, looking like the world, sin, our old selves, saying this is living holy, holy for God. You want to know what we do? Stand right here. Oh, I want to get as close to it as possible. But I still want to be on this side, right? You know, I, I said I'm doing that whole Jesus thing, but I really like going to those places that I know I shouldn't be. I really like hanging around those people. I love thinking about my old memories of me doing that. Whoa, right? That's what we do. We stand as close to the world as possible. We stand as close to these imaginary sin lines as possible. You don't want to know what that says? Your heart is not a sacrifice to God. Your desires are not a sacrifice to God because what your heart desires is the world. That's what it deserves. And so if you want to not conform to the world, why are you standing as close to them as you can be? And I say that because I've done that for so many years. So don't think that I'm standing on some high horse thinking that it's oh so easy. It's not. That's why I said your mind is warring with you. There's days when that's a lot harder. And there are days when it's easier, but there are days when it's really tough. But Paul says, you have to do something different. That's what you're used to. That's what's normal for you. So you have to figure something else out. And that's where we find something so incredibly encouraging in the later half of verse 2. He says, do not be conformed to this world. He says, don't do that. That's what you're used to. He says, but do this. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. He says, in order for you not to live like this, you need a reset, a hard reset. 
Your mind needs to be transformed and you can't do that on your own. That's why I said, it's not about your actions. It's not about what you do to earn salvation. Jesus wants you to come to him as you are. But here's the thing, Jesus will change you. It's, it's a come as you are, not stay as you are. He says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He says, seek that. Seek that. Look for that. Look for a renewal. Look for a change in your mind. Your mind has to be changed. You have to look to something completely different from what you're used to. And where is that? That's your Lord. You're looking to your Lord. You're looking to the Savior, the one that pulled you from darkness, who died on the cross for you. Look to him. He's the only one that's going to be able to transform your mind. You've tried to do it. It's not a self-help book. It's not medication. It comes through Christ Jesus. He will lead you. And maybe he does lead you to some great books that help you. Or maybe he does lead you to some godly individuals who maybe help you understand maybe some education you need. But it starts at Christ Jesus. He is the one that transforms your mind. But the thing is, we assume we can handle it. We, consume, we, we assume we can figure it out. Yeah, Justin, I've got it. I can be sin adjacent and not sin. It, it's all good. What happens when you slip? You're off the stage. You're back in. What happens if you slip and you're back here? Where are you going? You're not going anywhere. That is why we're called to follow him, to present our lives as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. You need to be renewed. You have to have a new mindset. And you know where that happens? The word of God. You know where that happens? Prayer. Happens through a relationship with your Lord and Savior. It was great. I went to a concert with, with a couple guys uh, a couple weeks ago. And the guy at the concert, he said, he said here's what happens. If you, if you want a relationship with someone, right, you have to talk to them and they have to talk to you. Right? You can't have a relationship where you're just talking at someone and they never talk to you back. That doesn't work. And you can't have a relationship where someone's just talking at you and they never hear from you. He says, it has to be both. You have to talk to and you have to be talked to. He says the way that you talk to God is through prayer. And the way that God speaks to you is through his word. You want to have your minds renewed. Ask God through prayer and see what he has to show you in his word.
And so tonight, as I look at the words of Paul here in Romans 12, I appeal to you in the same way. The same appeal that Paul issues to these people as he writes, to the Romans as he writes, I appeal to you this evening. So I'm going to read it and hear that truth. The Lord appealing through me. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's my appeal. That's the Lord's appeal through Paul, through me, to you. And so tonight, maybe you've never accepted Christ Jesus as your Savior. Tonight is that night. Maybe you said a prayer and you thought you were good. Maybe you just thought, you know, acknowledging Jesus was the way. Here tonight, the only way that you can have salvation is through belief in your heart and confessing with your mouth that he is Lord. And maybe you want help with that tonight or you have more questions about what that looks like. Find me, grab a table leader, come down, we'll, we'll have table leaders down here ready to pray with you. Ask, talk to them, see what it means. We'd love to help you. But I appeal to you, look to where he's calling you, which is making him Lord of your life. Or maybe tonight it's resisting, resisting the forces, the things in your world that are trying to get you to conform. Maybe you need some encouragement. Maybe you need to know how to step back away from the sin that is trying to pull you in. Maybe it's some encouragement. Maybe it's just prayer for strength. I got some people down here who would love to help. I would love to help you, pray with you, talk with you, whatever that looks like. Or maybe it's a prayer for God to renew your mind. Maybe it's a prayer for him to teach you through his word. Maybe you need help going to God and asking him to pull your heart away from the world and give it to him. Man, we'd love to pray with you. But the Lord is appealing to you tonight. Live sacrificially. Make yourself a sacrifice to God. Follow him as Lord. And don't be conformed to the world, but be holy and let your mind be renewed through his word. Let's pray this evening. Lord, as we look at these tools, as we look at you as the Savior, as the one who strengthens, who leads, 
us away from temptation. It leads us away from relapse, from struggle, from hardship and evil. Lord, I pray that you would remind us of who is Lord, or that we aren't Lord, that you are. And Lord Jesus, we pray tonight that you would help us to be set apart, to look differently. And by look differently, obey your word. Live a life devoted to you as Lord. And Lord, that you would renew our minds because they seem to constantly be at war with us. Lord, but that you would help us through your word and through prayer to cultivate a deep relationship with you. Lord, we love you. In your precious and holy name, Jesus' name, amen.